You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Acts chapter 1, Jesus gave a cosmic-sized dream. And as we look at that dream and that vision, there were challenges to it. So what we've talked about today and celebrated today is really, um, it, it is not without its challenges. Often a vision is like a duck. You know, on the surface, it looks like it's gliding, but underneath, there's a lot of, lot of work. So when Jesus gave this vision, as he gives to us, because he gave it to believers that would be rippled throughout history, there are some challenges. And so I want to talk to you today about the challenges of a vision, the challenges of having a vision, creating a vision, carrying out a vision, keeping a vision. And so we're going to begin today with a picture. I want to see if you guys know who this is or what this is. Anybody have an idea of what this picture of is? Of? What? Sam Walton. Sam Walton. Wow. I feel like I need to give you some kind of prize. <laughs> Another cup of coffee on the house. <laughs> that is Sam Walton's first store in 1950. He had bought some Ben Franklin stores, but this was his first store that he called Walton's. In fact, the next picture will show the outside of it, and you'll see Walton's 5-10. What does that mean for my generation? It's five and dime store. So in my, you know, growing up, we had Woolworth and Crest, and these were the five and dime stores. It was really going well. For 12 years, it went well. Walton kept buying these stores, these five and dime stores, for 12 years until 1962. And he says, I've got a different vision. We're just like everybody else. There's five and dimes on every corner, but we want something different. I want a discount city. That's what he called it. I want a discount city. And Sam Walton, along with Steve Jobs, along with Walt Disney, they saw something that others didn't see, and they had the dream beyond what was familiar. Now, that may sound easy on paper, but trust me, it brings us to our first challenge. And the first challenge is dreaming of a vision, is dreaming past what we already know. So Jesus comes along. And as I said to you, in the Old Testament, if you kind of look at the general pattern, the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon. God's vision in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel would be a shining light that people would come to and recognize. There wasn't a lot of going out in the Old Testament. So when God began to give this vision, it was coming from a God that operates in things that people can't see yet. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says it this way. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Now, if you're, if you're an angel and the universe is not created yes, yet, it's like a, a you-know-what? It's hard to imagine that you had God with no universe yet. But the universe didn't, it wasn't in existence. Only God was in existence. I know it's beyond our human capacity to understand that there's no sun, there's no moon, there's no rivers, there's no butterflies, there's no mosquitoes, thank God. There's no, you know, there's none of that. And so God, he formed the universe at his command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
We invent things. God creates things. So it's coming from a God that's the, the, the term is ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. God creates something out of nothing. So when vision comes, it's coming from a God that understands you can create, thing, create things that don't exist yet. Jesus comes along and he, he rallies this band of brothers, the disciples, after the resurrection. They're talking to him. Jesus has been dead. Now they're talking to him. That's enough to freak you out. And then he comes in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And he says these words to them. But you will receive power. Just think about it. It's so easy for us to read on this side of history. But they're thinking, we're going to receive power? Like, what kind of power? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What does that mean? I mean, if you're in their sandals in that moment, what does that mean? Then watch. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. See, if he had put a period there like, Okay, we're quite familiar with that because Jerusalem was the beloved city, the city of, you know, the city that God had given to him. This was a big deal. So a period right there, we're like, okay, thank you, because now it's the first thing you've said that's familiar. But you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) We don't go to Samaria. And you're going to have this cosmic size assignment to the ends of the world. Again, we read that on this part of history, but for them, it was, it seems so big. I mean, as we look in the book of Jonah, they were a Mediterranean-sized understanding of the world. Spain was the end of the world. That's where, that's where jo- Jonah was going. He was going to Tarshish, right? He was getting away to Spain. That was the edge of the world for them. Africa, what? North America, they had no idea what that was. So they didn't fully understand when Jesus said, man, we're going to go around the planet. It's difficult as a vision to give people something unfamiliar when we cling to familiarity. I love this quote by Henry Ford. Henry Ford said, if I had given the people what they had wanted, I would have given them a faster horse. And some of you are like, I still don't get it. That's all right. (laughs) In other words, I would have given them something that they're familiar with so that they will feel good about it. But Henry Ford said, no, my vision is to put a vehicle in every family in this country. That was his vision, something they don't even know. They don't even know how to, to, what it would even look like. So the first challenge is to say, could we have a church that is not overloaded with programs, that is not overloaded with debt, that can really make disciple-making a real thing rather than another program? And in order to do that, we're going to, so let's do it a little differently And just see what happens. Here's the second challenge to a vision. The second challenge to any vision, doesn't matter if it's a church or an organization, is reaching a tipping point, in this case for a church, a tipping point of God-aligned partners. David was in a cave. God sent him partners. Nehemiah went to build a God-sized dream, a wall around Jerusalem that had been torn down by fierce enemies. He brought one person with him. 
And then the one person turned into three or four. And those three or four turned into a, to a dozen and then a few dozen. And then more and more and more and more. God accomplishes his vision through community, through God-aligned Partners, not just like-minded partners, but partners who see what the vision is and say, I want a part of that because I want to be where God is moving. I want to be where, where I'm seeing life change and difference and impact and kingdom advancing. That's what I want to be part of. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in this room or anybody sitting at home that just wants to be part of a nice Christian program. Or maybe so. In other words, I want to be part of something that's life-changing. I want to be part of something that's making an impact. This is why the people in David's cave, the men in David's cave, said, man, I got it. You're going to be king? I can see how God's going to use that dream. I want to be part of that. You're going to build the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah? I want to be part of that. So this faithful band of brothers... In the early book of Acts, they began to move, and there's something that's fascinating that happened in Acts chapter 5. So if you're following along, you're going to scoot over to Acts chapter 5. There was a, there was a, a man in, in the book of Acts in chapter 5. He wasn't a Christ follower. His name was Gamaliel. Gamaliel was kind of like the Yoda of the day for, for the Jewish a nation. People looked up to him. The disciples, this band of brothers, were preaching courageously. They were being put in prison. They were being beat to death. They were they are beat. They were they they were uh, being refused to preach, and yet they kept doing miracles. Were happening. A lot of things were going on. A lot of activity in, in Acts chapter two and three and four. And now we get to Acts chapter five, and the religious folk wanted to shut them down. And they had put these guys in prison. And then when they got out of prison, this guy Gamaliel, a non-Christian, stood up and made this speech. Watch this. In Acts 5.33, when these religious leaders heard the message from these, these, of the gospel of these band of believers, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, which was the kind of religious legislation of the day, and ordered that these men be put outside for a little while. In other words, it's like when someone says, I need the room. And so we're going to put you know, uh, John and Peter, let them step outside, boys, because I got a word I need to say to you. Okay. So then he says in verse 35, then he addressed these religious folks. He said, men of Israel, Consider carefully what you intend to do with these men that I just put outside. Some time ago, Theudas appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. But he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, with these band of believers who are talking about Jesus, in this present case, I advise you, let them alone. Leave them alone. This is a non-Christian guy saying, don't just let them do their own thing. Leave them alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. 
But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Now listen, every single one of these boys except John was martyred. And look what has happened around the world in God's movement. In other words, I want to be part of a vision where I'm like, wow, God is moving in that. I'm going to be part of it. And it only happens when you get enough of a tipping point of, of us like, yes, let's keep to that vision and let's just let's go full throttle together. It makes sense. I remember growing up as boys, uh, for those of you the men, um, I remember, uh, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Where do I want to go right now? <laughs> growing up as boys, <laughs> we, uh, we'd go out and play baseball. You know, and you know, we played baseball in the cemetery. Believe it or not, it was the most open space we had. And um, and so, uh, anyway, it's a different story, but it's kind of weird. But um, and sometimes there's only two of us. You know, one guy pitching the ball, and one guy hitting. Well, if you swing and miss the ball, the batter's got to go run and get the ball. If you actually hit the ball and you hit it over the guy throwing the ball over his head, he's got to go chase the ball. In other words. Have you noticed it's a little hard to play a real decent game of baseball with just two people? It takes a tipping point at one point. Like, hey, remember when you had enough guys to play? And you're like, oh, now we got a game. This is, good. This is exciting. See, the exciting thing that if you're coming into 360 right now, we got a game. We have enough partners sitting in this church that are in this church that are moving in this church that have their oars in the water. And it's really super exciting what's going on. Our invitation is come on in. Come on in. God is moving. Here's a third challenge. Challenge of a vision is keeping on track with the original intention of the mission. This is where I put 80% of my effort. It's hard to start a vision. It's hard to start something that people are not familiar with. But boy, is it hard to keep it. It's called mission drift. Okay? This is, I always like to announce, this is the part of the story where I step on your toes just a little bit. All right? Something interesting happened in the next chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. The church was growing by gangbusters. They were adding thousands to the church. It became a mega church overnight. Now look what happens in Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, it's a key to what happens here. They were increasing, and they were adding people from all different backgrounds. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. <laughs> different, different backgrounds, right? Because their widows, the Grecian Jews, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Good problem to have, decent issue to resolve, right? However, I look at it and I chuckle. <laughs> because as a church grows and you have Grecian people coming and Hebrew people coming and Baptists coming and Pentecostals and Methodists and wherever we come from, we all have a different sense of how church should be done. It, in this culture, 
where we are invited to be outspoken about our personal flavor, whatever that might be, it becomes more difficult to hold the vision of what God has given. If we said yes to 80% of everything that's come across our desks, then what would happen is we wouldn't be celebrating the things we celebrated about 20 minutes ago. It's challenging. Now, it's not challenging when no is said to someone else, but when no is said to that thing that, that you like, right? That's where it becomes difficult. And that's where I send people to Eric. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, here's the challenge, okay? It just, just being honest with you. Um, no one has ever come to me and said, you know, I think we could have more income to the church if we rob banks. <laughs> Nobody comes with a nefarious idea or a bad idea, a negative idea, an illegal idea, right? But they're good ideas. And I just remind us, and Jim Collins, who wrote from Jim Collins, who wrote the now infamous book From Good to Great, he says, Good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. You know the story of Steve Jobs, where they fired him and brought him back. And when he brought him back, he reduced their product line to about three or four products so that we could do those well. So I have no problem saying, hey, here, we want this ministry. Here's a church that does that super, super well. It's not going to be what we do. We can't do everything and keep adding good and good and good and good until we're overloaded with good things. Does it make sense? That's tough. I told you I'd take you off. So watch what happens. In Acts chapter 6, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples where? In Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There was nothing wrong with having a mega church in Jerusalem, but it was not the God-sized vision that Jesus gave. Jesus did not put a period after the word Jerusalem. And from all indicators up to this point, my sense, don't not a hill to die on, is that they would have been just fine. If next week you came back and there was an extra 500 people in this room sitting outside, you're like, man, this is exciting. Something's happening, right? Because human beings get excited about things that maybe God didn't get excited about. And they were super excited about this. And it grew and grew and grew and grew. But God said, don't let the mission drift. I told you to go to Jerusalem to start there and then Judea and then Samaria and to the ends of the world because there are people living in other parts of the world that if you just stay in Jerusalem, they're going to be lost forever. That's why the vision was. I'm reminded of my good friend, John Gearhart. Some of you may know John was, he was the chaplain, the primary chaplain at Sarasota Memorial Hospital for many, many years. He retired now. John is a scuba diver, and a, um, uh, he points the arrow gun down underwater and shoots fish. What's that called? Spear, spear fishing. Yeah, spear fishing. Yeah. So he's a spear fisher. And he, he told this story that once he, he, he and this buddy went out spear fishing. So they anchored the boat. They both jumped in the water. And they 
uh, you know, doing their thing, shooting, you know, fish and stuff. And uh, you can tell I do a lot of it. I do a lot of spearfishing. They came up. They surfaced. Now they're they're out. You know, you can't even see the shore. So they surfaced. And the boat was gone. And the waves were rolling like this. And John said, I I rolled up on a wave. And in the distance, I saw our boat. And it was about this half a size of a golf pencil. And he said, we both were panicked. Because I knew if I swam swam toward the boat, the boat's going in the direction that I'm not, I can't even, it's going further. He said, but I had no choice. He said, I looked at my buddy, and I said, I'm going to go after it. You wait here, I'll circle back. If not, I'll see you in heaven. That's the way that was. And he said, I swam, I swam, I swam, I swam. He said, by the time I got to the boat, I didn't have another ounce of energy left in me. But he made it to the boat, and he circled back, got his friend. That boat didn't move in a quick amount of time. It moved gradually, and it moved because it wasn't anchored. Go into all the world. Make disciples. That is the anchor of the assignment that God made. Oh, man, we've got a lot of variations on that, don't we? It's hard to keep the original intent. You have to say no to a lot of good things, but it's so important. Here's the final challenge quickly as we close. A vision is challenged by defining what true success is. Like I said, we got a lot of people in here next week. Man, that's exciting. Sure it is. Build a new building, super exciting, right? Have a gajillion programs, super exciting. Activity is exciting to human beings. But action is more exciting to God, not just activity. Let me say that again. Activity doesn't excite God. Action does. And in other words, what happened in the next chapter was unthinkable to this band. Now this megachurch, it was unthinkable. If you were living in those moments, it almost seemed like you were invincible. People were getting thrown in prison. God, break open the door. They'd get out of prison. They, people were getting flogged. They survived. Flogged. It was, it was brutal. They, they survived. There were miracles. People were getting healed. The church was giving property. I mean, they were just like giving things. I mean, it was amazing. Nothing could stop this movement. It was almost like, hey, I think I'll jump off a cliff today and then I'll I'll be fine because nobody's getting killed until Acts chapter 7. And unless Acts chapter 7 happened, Acts chapter 8 wouldn't have happened. And what happened in Acts chapter 7 was unthinkable. One of their heroes by the name of Stephen was murdered was killed by the religious legislation. And that freaked him out. But God needed to step in and say, guys, you've lost sense of the vision. The anchor has moved. The boat has drifted. And I'm going to have to bring some humility. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, this is the verse that we sat at the first meeting of 360 at 4403 Reflections Parkway, we had our first church service of 30 people. That was my mom's house. And in that that evening where we met, I said, 
Guys, we're going to go for Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And here's where it was. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Where? Because he needed to. They had got stuck with the mission. And, and this is the phrase, all except the apostles, everyday people, not the pros, not the seminary graduates, not the college, Bible college graduates, but everyday people, everybody except the apostles were scattered. Where? Judea and Samaria. And when I read that, I'm thinking from Jesus' point of view, the visionary says, finally, finally, because you guys were stuck in the excitement of humanity and you lost the mission of what I gave to you. And then what happened? They buried their beloved Stephen and mourned deeply for him. When they buried Stephen... They buried their invincibility. They buried their sense of human confidence. You see, when we define what God defines as success, we won't get excited about our human accomplishments because we'll know without a shadow of a doubt, it's his. And it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road. But when we are aligned with his mission and his vision, when you're aligned with God's mission and your vision, listen carefully, it should not be easy. And I know we live in a culture that we like easy. It should not be easy. But when you do that, when you walk with God, when you're in vision with him, when you're aligned with him, nothing but net. You're in rhythm with God and it's worth every shot you take. Thank you for joining us, and special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.